0: No one ever saw this coming, but here we are, bonded forever by the same ex-husband. Once arch enemies and now partners in crime, we journey to the edge of sanity to uncover the dark truth about our ex-husband. My name is Athena. And I'm Amber. And we are the creators of Ex-Wives Undercover.
1: This podcast is based on real-life events that are portrayed to the best of Athena and Amber's memory and also backed by court records and other factual evidence. While all the stories in the podcast are true, some names and identifying details have been changed to protect the privacy of the people involved. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Season 1,
0: Episode 7. Bye bye Adios. Sayonara. After the truth of baby Opal's paternity had been revealed, I found myself unable to sleep through the night for weeks. My thoughts consumed me. The possibilities of what was to come next regarding this innocent sweet baby took over. And I found myself lying awake in bed for hours. I was excited to meet Opal and I was looking forward to see how Ben would do parenting his own child. During an outing to our favorite Mexican restaurant, Ben threw a fit when Lexus and I sat next to each other at the table. The odd thing was that Ben and I always sat across from one another. His behavior was embarrassing and completely out of line. After the things Lexus had already witnessed Ben do, she started to dislike him and began to pull away. I couldn't say that I blamed her. While having zero respect for Ben, Lexus didn't react well to him trying to discipline her. My daughter was an old soul to begin with and was very mature for her age. So when Ben threw tantrums, she thought he was a complete moron. After Shane left her life and her biological father had moved to LA to attend school, I was all she had. We had an undeniable bond and Ben was very aware of it. I constantly found myself second guessing if I was being overprotective of Lexis when Ben would call her out or, if Ben was actually picking on her like she would tell me. I remember myself constantly reminding him that if he doesn't show her love and affection in addition to the tough discipline that he was dishing out to her, he simply came across as an asshole. She often felt bullied by him and I found myself constantly playing referee, my daughter
2: Lexis. As far as Ben disciplining me, I always felt really, like, spiteful towards it. And, like, one of those, like, ah, you're not my dad type of moments. And the way he would discipline me was really strange. It wasn't regular things, like, no TV for a week or you're grounded, whatever. It was, like, weird, manipulative shit, like, just hiding my stuff, putting my stuff up high. Just really weird, really weird. Waking me up in the middle of the night to clean stuff. I would have rather been grounded.
0: Royce, Lexi's father, had this to say.
3: With Ben, I never liked him. There was nothing ever anything good that I felt got a vibe about. Um, I was kind of surprised that Athena had made a decision on this kind of person, you know, just just knowing knowing her. And um, it kind of it, it threw me off. I was like, OK, well, there's got to be something there that clearly is underneath the surface. Uh, what went me wrong was, you know, from what I had heard, I, I hadn't heard anything good about him. I hadn't heard anything positive about him. And then on top of that, the feedback that I was getting about his, you know, relationship with Lexus is that it wasn't good. He didn't like her. She didn't like him. She's a kid. He's an adult. And they're not getting along. They don't like each other. And he wasn't a nice dude. And it's, you know, stuff to try to advise a kid from hundreds of miles away how to, how to interact with this adult. And, you know, at first I tried to give the adult the benefit of the doubt because you'd like to think and assume that the adult is the one being the adult. And, you know, maybe it was just a kid being like, hey, you're not my dad, so don't tell me what to do, which is very common. But this really wasn't the case, apparently. it's was just, he just was, he didn't seem to be a, a person that was really all put together well
0: you know people are always on their best behavior right trying to impress everyone around their new their new person and so i think he was putting his best foot forward as usual but soon after you know he was living with us and he obviously got a little bit more comfortable so i started yeah. seeing little things little changes he would leave her her shoes at the bottom of the stairs and even though he would do the exact same thing he would take her shoes and hide them from her to where he wouldn't tell me, I didn't even know where to find them to put them on her for school the next day. She was eight years old. She just over time just grew resentment. He was picking on her non stop. And when I'd come home, if he got home before me, it was her telling me, like, I'm like him telling me something else. And she didn't like sharing me. So there were some things that she did that were honest to goodness her being a child and you know, wanting her mom and not wanting to share, but then. I grew to realize over time that it was
1: definitely him and he had a weird issue. He was possessive of me and jealous even of my own child. So that's interesting because I started reading and I have talked to you about him being incredibly jealous of our dog, Boogie, and I thought, how ridiculous. And and so then I looked up narcissism because there is two different kinds of narcissism. There's grandiose and vulnerable. Vulnerable narcissism is what he is. Well, so here's why I say that because they generally they they're boastful, but they actually it's stemming from low self-esteem versus the other one where it's like they have over self-esteem, right? So his jealousy and his attachment disorder it stems from being insecure so he's possessive of things and that it's common with
0: borderline personality disorder too yes
1: their attachment and so children um it was saying that they people with this vulnerable narcissism experience high anxiety um within relationships and are highly sensitive to separation and have a greater distress over it and um they don't like to share with kids or pets they get jealous and possessive
0: Looking back now, I believe that my decision to not leave Ben that spring after everything he had already put me through was because I felt a bit responsible that I had united Ben with his baby girl. Some might think that what I did was the right thing and a good thing. To be honest, if I had known what type of father Ben would turn out to be, I would have never reached out to Daisy. But I had, and there was no going back now. Soon, Opal would be a part of our lives, and I felt like I needed to be there to make sure she was okay during this major transition. I continued to move forward with Ben, and I hoped that it would be smooth sailing from here on out. I mean, what else could possibly surface? Every other weekend, we would drive to Factoria to meet Lexi's dad so she could spend the usual allotted time with him. And we would always meet at the strip mall parking lot right off the freeway. It was Sunday and time to pick up Lexus. While we were waiting for Lexus to arrive, Ben said that he wanted to run into this pet store quickly to pass time. Over the past few months, Ben had mentioned a handful of times how he needed another male to balance out our household. He joked around about wanting a big masculine dog. I always laughed it off and reminded him that I already had a dog and that I didn't need any more on my plate. After the miscarriages and dealing with Ben's shit, I was emotionally drained and knew I didn't have any more energy to deal with anything else, especially training a puppy. Clearly, Ben did not take my words seriously because while I was chatting with Lexi's dad and transferring her bags back into my SUV, I see Ben walking towards us holding a tiny puppy. Of course, Lexis was squealing with excitement And I couldn't help but cave as he places this tiny pup into my arms. A pug, I say aloud. I look at the puppy's underside and I see that not only had Ben purchased the complete opposite of what dog breed he had expressed wanting, but that he didn't even choose a male. Ben smirked at me and started laughing. He explains that he went into the pet store, he saw the sweet, calm, tiny puppy, and he was completely smitten. I have to admit that even though I was a bit upset that he had made that big decision on his own, it was a nice reminder of how soft and sweet Ben could be.
2: I remember when Ben first got in, he like walked out. I was, I think I was in the car. And he came out and he was holding this tiny little dog. It was just like, she was like barely like even fit in his hand. I think that Ben got the pug because he wanted to kind of have a bond that he could share with my mom and kind of take the attention away from me because he was weird like that. But I still find it hilarious that after saying he wanted these big manly dogs, he came out with this tiny little pug.
0: Not the pug thinking that it would fill a void for him, but it did not. Um, I think almost wanting to feel equal in the household because I had a dog, I had a child. We did not... Um, and maybe that would make him feel better. He was always looking, obviously, still is, to fill his void. But again, he has no emotional attachment, so it didn't work. So guess who uh, got stuck taking care of Pug? I could see by his behavior in the past that he was not going to be a person that was going to be responsible enough no, no. or organized enough to train a dog, to, I don't know, have the emotions ready, to you know, like walk the dog regularly, to especially a puppy. So I just said, you know just like with children, whenever they want something, I go into it knowing that I'm going to be the one responsible. To oh, it. yeah.
3: So I just, <laughs> yeah. I just
0: I, as nicely as possible, I said, maybe later, you know, like I need to yeah. get my bearing. Like I'm still falling into the rhythm of life after what had happened between us, the miscarriages, the lies. And I don't want to invest in like
1: an animal because they're extremely important to me. And that's well, like 15 a year commitment. It's a long time, but what's interesting yeah, yeah, about that is that just reminded me because I always felt like an outsider and I don't think anyone can really understand if you don't have children of your own and you come into someone's situation where they do have children, you kind of feel like an outsider. And no matter what anyone says, I always felt like you have something special with this other woman and I don't have that with you. And um, I always felt like an outsider and it sounds like he did too. But prior to you guys having children, he felt that like you have something special with another man and he's kind of here on the outside. So in a sense, it's yeah, like he wanted sure. to have something that would like bond them all together or all of calming. you together yeah. by having a dog or another child. And probably that probably led me wanting to have a child so much more. Like if we have this child, it will bond us all together and we'll feel like more gelled as a family. Yeah. It was you me, know?
0: female, Lexus, female, yeah, Emma, female, female. My, Emalu, my pointer.
1: Um and mm-hmm. That's so my name, by the way. Is Emily? it really? Yeah, it is. My mom Uh-oh. calls me Emma It's not funny. See, yeah. we are we are supposed to be friends, see? <laughs> yep. But I have to say, like him coming out with the pug, a female pug of all things, yeah. it shows that he is kind of a softie. Don't forget that's that he, true. Never takes, he never takes care of the
0: pug. That's true.
1: He didn't words. words. and leaves it in the cage. So he used we to, to say he went jogging with her. And I was like, you realize it's a pug and they can't jog. They can't. We breathe. had to put
0: her in a stroller to
1: take her on walks. Yes. He was said that he would go on jogs with her on the Kirkland waterfront. Thank- oh, and I was like, my god! First gosh, of all, no. I, Boogie's a smushy face dog. I love dogs and I know everything there is to know about dogs. And I know for a fact, a dog with a snout like that is no. not going to be jogging. So I always and thought. And little legs. Are you- yes. And usually they're kind of barrel bodied. And I'm like, why are you telling yeah. me this? She like, made it three is...
0: quarters around our our yeah. small loop of a neighborhood. And I always brought the stroller because after three quarters, she'd be breathing so hard that I'd put her in the, the stroller and mm-hmm. walk the rest away with the other dog and the kids. The following month, Beth and I left our sweet pup, Izzy, home alone for the first time. It felt a lot like the first time you go out after having a baby. We were actually a little nervous to leave her, but we knew she would be just fine. After all, she was hanging out with Emma. So we got all dressed up to hit the town with a group of our friends. The new trending hotspot was a swanky club located in a high-rise in downtown Bellevue. It had been the talk of the town recently, and we were excited to check it out. After drinking hours into the evening, the place was packed and the crowd was in full party mode. I excused myself to use the restroom, but Ben insisted he escort me there and wait outside in the hallway to walk me back. He usually preferred to do that in a crowded club or a bar so it wasn't anything unusual. I had, however, noticed that throughout the night, he looked a bit nervous and he kept looking over his shoulder. As we walked to the restroom hand in hand, I noticed his grip tighten as we approached the bathroom line. I got in the girls line and Ben walked around the corner to use the men's restroom. While in line, I found myself chatting it up with a friendly woman in line just a few people ahead of me. And once inside the restroom, she lightly mentioned that she recognized my boyfriend and said what a beautiful couple we were. I thanked her and I asked how they knew each other. She tells me that she actually went on one date with him a while back and that they were definitely not a match whatsoever but that they had parted ways after their one drink on friendly terms i felt relieved the story she told me was just a very normal and typical first date scenario and that she had nothing bad to say about ben i was very thankful that i never felt worried about ben cheating or being involved with other women Ben and I were very public with our affection toward one another no matter where we were or who we were with. Our social media profiles were littered with pictures of us together and our adventures we shared. And in addition to our constant PDA, Ben never wanted to go out to the bars or the clubs without me. Surprisingly, he was very much a homebody. So when I noticed him acting a bit odd, I wasn't sure what to make of it. After I finished up in the restroom, I made my way back out to the main walkway where I saw Ben yelling at a woman. We're all kind of laughing about something and she starts talking to me and then the line slowly progresses. And in that amount of time, we equally were chatting it up and she was nice. And then once we finally got into the restroom, she said, I recognize
1: like you and your, your boyfriend are a really handsome couple. And um, it's still kind of an odd thing to say. She obviously knew who he was. She said that first, she said, you know, I, oh yeah. She was like, I recognize, she's like, I recognize,
0: you know, him and you guys are such a handsome couple. And I didn't feel threatened by her at all. She was very genuine. She wasn't fake and she wasn't stirring trouble whatsoever. I used the restroom, touched up my lipstick probably, came out and walked in to see him screaming at this woman. As I quickly made my way to them, Ben got even louder and more disrespectful with his insults towards her. That's when I realized it was the woman that I had met in the bathroom. He was telling her to butt out of his business and that she was a scheming bitch. He was making a huge scene and kept telling her to leave. Her eyes were huge and I could tell she was in complete shock at what he was saying while yelling in her face. I stood between them and I told him to stop and that he was making a fool of himself. I had never seen this side of him. But Ben was relentless and he was so cruel to this woman. The words he was spouting at her were disgusting. She obviously hit her breaking point because she threw her drink in his face. And although he deserved it, her timing was not executed well. The bouncers were walking up to break up the commotion and witnessed her throw the drink in his face. So the security guard grabbed her and told her that she needed to leave. Next, he walked her 10 feet away from us to where the elevators were. As I look up at Ben, he stood there staring at her with this huge smile on his face. When the elevator doors opened and she walked in, Ben made sure to call her a meddling bitch once more, and then he laughed at her as the elevator doors closed. I looked at him with disgust and told him he needed to close our tab at the bar and I wanted to go home immediately and i did not understand why
1: he was acting the way he was that's so weird so he obviously knew that she knew something yes because he did not end things well or on good terms he didn't want you to know yes that's exactly it and he fed me a different story which is bullshit but to see him behaving like that in public towards a woman i've experienced him like that too have you okay um Yeah. Oh, yeah. And how embarrassing. He got his ass ripped a new one. What the fuck? Mm. Like, you don't talk
0: like that. Period. Like,
1: pull your shit together. You're an adult here.
0: I remember, like, kind of looking back at him and just see that look. He just stared her down. He stared her down and he just smiled. And it was evil. It was emotionless and so beyond mean. It just, it changed things for me. That's when I was just like, what am I doing? Once we left, Ben told me the story about how he went on a date with her, how she had catfished him and had been dishonest with her dating profile. He says they met for a quick drink and he walked up to her and she looked nothing like the pictures she had posted. He goes on to tell me how drunk she was and that she told him overly personal stories, one which involved her being raped he said she got so hammered that after an hour or so, she became mean, disoriented, and started yelling at him. And so he left completely embarrassed. I guess Ben was worried about what she actually even remembered that night they met. And if she is telling a man she just met that night that she has been raped recently, what would she be telling me about Ben? He then says he panicked because he didn't want this crazy woman to interfere in our relationship. After hours of me interrogating him, I finally calmed down enough to fall asleep. While laying in bed next to him, I closed my eyes and I started to plot my next move. I made the decision that I would reach out to this woman on my own and I would see what she had to say. The following morning, Ben was trying to be super sweet and attentive. That was his usual routine after I would catch him in a lie or find out about some shady business he was involved in. Ben made his way to my side of the bed. He wrapped his arms around me and he pointed out that we had hit mid-May, which meant we should start house hunting. He went on to tell me that we needed to be serious about this and ready to make an offer in case we found a home we loved. So with that, we decided to put my house on the market June 1st. Ben obviously knew the way to my heart, because his talent for future faking always seemed to rope me back in to this fantasy life that he was pretending we were going to have. I got so caught up in getting my home ready that I completely forgot about messaging the woman from the club. Over the next few weeks, we got my home in order so that my father could officially put it on the market. The real estate market was crazier than ever, and we had multiple showings daily, My father would come over on the weekends throughout the month of June to take us to look at homes. There were a few homes that I really liked, but Ben always found something that he absolutely hated and he wouldn't budge. I became increasingly nervous that my home would sell and we would have nowhere to go. My dad came over and he's not a young buck and he was, we were doing the yard. We were Um, gutting things out. We were getting it prepped for my father to put it on the market. And we did. Because your dad's a real estate agent? My dad's a real estate agent. And the for sale sign in the front, like showed our home multiple times, having to leave the house and and prep everything.
1: It's a lot of fucking work. It's a lot of work. A lot. And you have to constantly keep it clean because you don't know when... With, with dogs, the two oh, dogs yeah. and the child. Well, yeah, and, and it's yeah. hard because like you can't even show a house unless you get the dogs moved. We had to leave the house, bring the dogs, bring the kids. Like it's a production to sell a house. Yeah, it's not a that I've owned a house, but I, I used to be a real estate yeah. agent, so I know this. What? Um Yeah, How my you little. It was very very short lived. It was in between jobs, and oh I went and got my real estate license, and I hated everything about it. I was not a good salesperson <laughs> at all, so it was very short lived. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know maybe like a year I'm not either I'm an educator
0: but not a salesperson so if I'm educating somebody on a yeah. product that I love and I believe in I sell yeah. it I can sell it like hotcakes but I'm not a salesperson Oh, I'm not good <laughs> at real yeah. estate at all
1: mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah but I know it's was. it's a big it's a big undertaking it is and yeah. to get so- your hopes up and it's exciting because I've obviously been there too. And to house that. hunting and having to put a, knowing yeah. how fast the market
0: was, like my house could have sold without finding something or like the offer I would make have to be a contingent offer. There's a lot of moving parts to it. And I felt like it must be real if my father's involved and this, you know, we're physically going out and doing these things. And my house, I have a for sale sign in my front yard. By the last week of June, I had found a home online and Ben and I absolutely loved it. My father came over once again to take us to view it. And while driving to the house, my father reminded Ben to email him a copy of his mortgage pre-approval letter. I told my dad that he had already done it because that's what Ben told me the week previous. But Ben spoke up and said he thought he had. My dad confirmed, no, you have not. And he told us that he would just get it from him when we returned back to the house. We arrive at the home and do a thorough walkthrough. For once, Ben and I actually agree that we both like this one. We were finally ready to make an offer on our future home. My father drops us off back home and asks Ben for the documents he needed. Ben hustled inside to grab it and I stood outside going over a few details on the offer my father was going to draft up once he returned home. Ben finally comes out to the front porch empty-handed. He tells us that, oh, he must have left it at work and that he will just have to scan it and email it off to my father on Monday. Ben and I say goodbye to my father and we walk back towards the house hand in hand. I felt a huge sense of relief. In order for me to feel more secure in our relationship, I really needed to see that something Ben had promised me would actually happen. Yes, I understand completely now that is a very stupid way of thinking, but at the time... That is what I thought. And that is how I felt. Things were actually starting to move forward for once. And Ben could see that I was beaming with excitement. As we walked into the house, Ben shut the front door and he turned towards me. He told me that we needed to have a serious conversation. I had zero clue what direction he was going to go with this so-called serious talk. We sit down at the kitchen table and he begins to stumble over his words. He's obviously extremely nervous, so I reassure him to just be honest with me and we will get through anything. Ben's eyes become teary as he begins to speak again. My heart starts racing and I feel as if someone has placed their hands over my ears. Ben's voice sounds quiet and distant, and while I try to focus and absorb every word he says, all I can hear is my heart beating and my body filling with rage. You have to be kidding me. This is the last time this motherfucker will ever humiliate me and crush my heart ever again. As tears stream down my face, Ben proceeds to tell me that we won't be buying a home together. He says he wasn't able to get pre-approved for the mortgage loan and that he actually felt a sense of relief that he couldn't get the loan because he realized that he was not ready for a commitment this big with Lexus and I. Ultimate
1: manipulation there. Future faking. Future faking. And he knows when to dial it in at at certain times when he knows he's in trouble because he used to do that with me all the time. I was like, I can't wait to start our our new beginning. We'll do this and that and we'll travel and we'll get a house and blah 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 and he would do it all the time um yeah. but you bought into it because you want to believe the story you want to yes, believe what he's that's my soft
0: spot like real estate and oh. a new home and oh like a bigger house for us and i should have just been i was content the house was perfectly fine for us but you know with the boys and the growing family that he wanted and this and that and the in the picture he painted, a larger mm-hmm. house was necessary. And so, and for me, it, it, like, I needed this, this proof. And back then, I was ignorant enough to think that material proof would mean that he loved me and that he was showing me, he was showing me, he's committed. Yeah. He's committed and that he's serious about me. He must really love me to, mm-hmm. to move forward and that he really is like sincere and regrets his mistakes. Now, of course, I know that's complete bullshit. I don't need anybody in my life to give me a material item to prove their love to me, to buy me off when they cheat on me or make mistakes. I pressed him for details and realized that he had known in late April about not getting the mortgage loan. Ben had been lying to both my father and I this entire time. That means that even though Ben knew he had zero intentions of purchasing a home with me, he still let me bust my ass to get the house ready to put on the market. In an instant, everything starts to hit me like a ton of bricks. I could have lost my fucking home if I accepted an offer. My daughter and I would have lost our house. Ben had wasted my father's time for two months playing out this charade of his. That was it. I had finally hit my breaking point. I stood up from the table. I leaned toward Ben and I looked him straight in the eye. I said to Ben, you have one hour to get all of your shit out of my house or I would remove it myself. He knew that I was not fucking around. He stood up and went straight upstairs and started packing his belongings.
1: I would kill him. And you just kind of, did your stomach just sink like... Always. be honest with you like we'd come so far that
0: in my mind that wasn't even something i thought he was gonna say
1: i i don't know i thought maybe he was gonna tell me he'd get approved for that much money and because he did say he didn't get approved but then he followed it up to say it's actually good because i don't i'm not ready to commit to you guys i don't know if i'm ready to like oh yeah be 100 that's like right in the chest See what I mean? He like
0: he uses every excuse to manipulate. But really the truth is is that his credit was ruined. He had horrible credit. He could not he had just started that job a year ago. And I think he tried to get pre-approved, but they needed additional time for him because I think he had filed bankruptcy in the past. Like, he had done so many things, you know, so much in his past that I had no idea about. And so that's why he got turned down, even though he was currently making really good money working where he was working. Mm -hmm. Um, It just wasn't for a a lengthy amount of time to, you know... Get what he wants to get, the dollar amount. And I mean, so you guys were turned at least around buying and a
1: half a million dollar house or more. And my my home, I mean,
0: I would have had a few hundred thousand dollars to put down from the sale of my home.
2: Wow.
0: And by the way, so people don't think I'm, I am a complete idiot, I had everything drafted up. We were not married. So I had everything drafted up already and ready to go for our attorney to sign. Like that stated, any money I put into this future home would be mine taken out plus 50% of anything thereafter in equity. I head to the garage, press the garage door button and carry each one of his boxes that he had stored in my garage out to his vehicle. I was going to make sure that Ben was not going to be able to come up with an excuse to ever step foot in my home ever again. I made sure there was absolutely nothing left of his remaining in my garage. After he finished loading the last of his belongings into his SUV, I walk over to his vehicle and hand him his dog. I see his keys sitting on his driver's seat, so I grab them and I remove my house key. I look at Ben and say, "Bye bye adios, sayonara, motherfucker. I still remember this. I remember just just with everything that had been leading up to it, the miscarriages, his lack of empathy and sympathy during that, Um, the little red flags all in between, staying with him after finding the steroids again and again. Um, oh, you continue to find him. The this woman, the way he behaved to her, and then again having the example of my ex-husband as a loving and very nurturing father and man. It all added up to where I started feeling so much rage and so much strength. That I remember standing up from the kitchen table with like just my hands on the table, standing up. I mean, five foot two, five foot three. And I remember just leaning into him, looking straight into his eyes, and telling him, You have one hour to pack up your shit and get the fuck out of my house. But I made sure anything that belonged to him was 100% gone. And then as he left, I took the, uh, the cage and everything that i bought i brought it out by it by his car i'd put that there the dog food the dog bowls the dog toys and then while he tried to get into his car i just carried izzy out and i said here here you go take care of your fucking dog like this is your dog that you don't take care of and here you go he knew not to fuck with me because i was mortified and humiliated i had to call my dad yeah. and tell him to take my house off the market all my neighbors take the first sale sign pull that out of my fucking front yard if you dig the hole to put it in all the work we had done now my dad would know so like i was mortified done. humiliated like done beyond done i wouldn't even like gone into these motions but he instigated yes. them yep instigated them full-fledged so like for me i didn't have a need to like move and buy a home but he kept pushing this fantasy about really wanting more children and he has no children mm-hmm. i really want a son and i a child and like we need a better home and like we should make this ours and start fresh and he did all these things and you know i was so irate because i if i would have accepted an offer he had no means to have moved into another home i would have lost my home and now your red flag not so fun fact ellen de writes up this great piece on ways to avoid future faking well clearly we see a lot of this going on with the things that ben is over promising me and obviously has no plans to ever follow through with and yet they still are very quick to jump into talking about your future together and I could see you as my wife or my husband, so on and so forth, well, not only is this unhealthy behavior to jump in so quickly before barely knowing each other and professing your undying love, it is definitely a huge red flag and a lot of people will describe it as false intimacy. Number two, take time before having sex having sex flushes your brain with oxytocin and vasopressin which can get you emotionally attached to someone without reason so if you're looking for something a lot more long lasting it's best to hold off the physical intimacy until you have a clear idea of your partner's values and life goals and have agreed on exclusivity with them i mean let's face it do you really want to jump in bed and then find out he's a psychopath in two weeks it's not fun all right number three Draw your boundary the first time. When your date talks as if you two are a long-term couple or tries to progress the relationship at a pace that you're not ready for, call them out the first time it happens. If you have drawn your boundary and it happens repeatedly, they don't respect you. So stop taking them seriously and leave. Number four, reward actions, not words. It's so easy to get caught up in the texting, but what's most important is visually seeing and physically experiencing the other person's actions. You wanna see follow through. It also means that when they fail to back up their words with actions, there's no need to show your disappointment. That's also rewarding them with attention. But on the flip side, if they actually make a plan and follow through with the plan, then you could show your gratitude and increased investment in the relationship. If nothing is happening within a reasonable timeframe, conclude that you don't have the same expectations for relationship and move on. Number five, know your timeline. Your relationship should meet your expectations. You should know how close you prefer to be with your partner and at what pace you want to progress the relationship, what is normal and not normal, and so on. So decide for yourself how often you want to meet your partner in person and when the milestones of your relationship should happen, like becoming exclusive or maybe going on a trip together, meeting each other's parents. But you wanna keep this information to yourself and take your time to observe your date. The point isn't to teach them to act the way you want, but to find out who they are and whether they match you on a fundamental level. And number six, which is very important, trust your instinct. If your gut tells you that something is off or your date is too good to be true, it's probably right. It's a sign that there's a disconnect between what they lead you to believe and what actually happens between the level of intimacy they want you to have and the true depth of your connection with each other. If you've been in constant communication with them, it's time to take a step back and dial down your attachment to them and their words. Write out your doubts or confide in a trusted friend to get a second opinion. In short, remember that it does not matter whether a future faker meant what they said to you or not. If they cannot deliver on their promises and nothing happens, you don't have a relationship and they are wrong for you. And that is the only closure you need. Next time on Ex Wives Undercover. Finds a way to manipulate me to leave that job. 100%. He was trying to find any means, any way to be able to come in contact with me and manipulate me. I needed to create that separation of in-person mm-hmm. interactions between us, right? Somebody's boss letting their employee use your
1: really, really nice no. sailboat <laughs> with never gonna a random crew with a band who doesn't even know how to swim. Right. It was so far-fetched. And so he had nobody to watch his dog. So he left the dog on the front porch. I want to strangle him. Like, you don't like leave it. any dog, let alone a little pushy face who can't breathe well, anyways. Like, there's something not firing right.
0: People say
1: that when you're really,
0: really in a good headspace and you're feeling intense and happy and you're not looking for anything, more yeah. often than not, somebody sparks your attention. Attractive guy, um, divorced. He had a boy and a girl, very cute kids, very nice. I now know he had the tracker on my car. But then, because this never happened, he thought, wow, this family must really fucking love you. And he turns his, you know, direction towards Lexus, and he tells her how he's so sorry for everything. And once again, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review and make sure to join our private Facebook group for even more juicy info. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, you can always visit our site at www.exwivesundercover.com.